0: Tell me what, um, you were here in your office down here in White River Junction, um, you're a deputy state's attorney, you're working on a lot of sexual assault cases. What What have you learned doing this job that you're going to bring um, to the table in Montpelier?
1: Well, you know, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of conversation, or there are conversations that are being um, uh, had now regarding our criminal justice system and, of course, corrections, uh, which is a... Um, uh, it's a giant problem uh, as far as what to do, and are we do we have too many people in jail, and uh, is the incarceration rate higher than what it should be, um, and what I am and I was one of these people wondering, you know, are we putting too many people in jail, and, um, and if so, what do we do to, to correct that problem? Uh, here, what I've learned in my time is the fact that. The, it's rare that we uh, will go and prosecute and ask for jail time for people who are either first-time offenders or doing minor offenses, especially nonviolent offenses. Um, we just don't have actually even the time to really um, pursue a lot of those things because of a of, of, uh, lack of resources. However, the ones that are going to jail are people who have committed serious crimes. Um, you know, the, again, we talk sexual assaults. So that's what I do. Uh, aggravated sexual assaults um, on children, on on, on women, um, people. Where, uh, if uh, I, of course, I can't tell the stories, not only because of confidentiality, but because I w- I don't even know if you could, if this was radio, if you would actually be able to broadcast it. But there are um, there are heinous crimes being committed, and those people who commit it, uh, we are looking to place them uh, in in jail and be incarcerated. Um, so. You know, while there is that there a strong movement saying that we're incarcerating too many people, I think what folks are, are missing is that that for some reason there was a lot of behavior out there um, that whether it be uh, some of uh, like the fire issue uh, last week where they, the guy set the house on fire and, set, and I believe that the person had uh, died as dous- a result.
0: Well, d- doused them in
1: gas. Doused them in gas. And, um the uh, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, that type of behavior is not something where we can just say, okay, well, you go home and promise not to do it again, and we'll let you go. Um, that individual, uh, quite frankly, uh, is, if you look into his background, um, was not somebody who what I would be considering a nonviolent offender. Um, so, uh, again, I think what we're looking at is that we have to uh, it, it, when we look at a problem such as incarceration and uh, the corrections issues, what we, we need to look at the full picture and uh, not um, just a, uh, a, a little snippet. And uh, there are a lot of people on, on both sides of this issue. Uh, you know, there are advocates, of course, that, um, that believe incarceration uh, should only be for the worst of the worst. And um, then, of course, you have uh, people from the law enforcement or prosecution um, communities that feel that justice sh- uh, and the victims' community, that justice should be um, um, you know, afforded not only to, um, uh, you know, for the society, but also for the victims involved. So um, I think we have to have a, a large co- larger conversation than is currently being um, had.
0: What do you think people don't understand? I mean, what, I, I guess I'm not clear what the point is you're trying to make. You, um, you, you've learned in this job what that people don't get.
1: I think that uh, people are unaware of the, um, the level of criminal activity that um, occurs, and uh, which some of it you might see in one or two of the stories in the newspaper, but they're uh, because of um, the opiate problem that we have, because of uh, some of the other. Um, uh, the heroin problem. uh, There are a number of criminal uh, crimes that are occurring uh, that uh, really were never seen in Vermont before. I mean, right now in 20 minutes, I'm going to be arraigning somebody who who was one of the armed robbers in some of the convenience stores that have been hit uh, in Windsor County. Um, We have people who are uh, doing bank robberies. That, uh, if you look at it, it's uh, based. The reason what they're doing is because of drugs. This guy who who doused the person with gasoline. It was because he was trying to rob, you know, the money and crack uh, cocaine. Um, I guess what what I'm saying is that that there is a, there are a lot of things happening in this state. Uh, a lot of criminal activity that um, that most people are not aware of. And and I because of, uh, I don't know if it's whether they don't live in the communities where um, a lot of this is occurring or if it's uh, because people don't want to read about things that they don't want to have to think about.
0: How close do you think Vermont is to sort of a breaking point on this?
1: Because I, it
0: impacts, you know, we were talking about it impacts kids being taken from their families. I mean, it has this whole ripple effect through all the social programs you have to try to figure out a way to fund.
1: It does. Um, it, the juvenile cases that I handled um, over the last summer and this summer, um, I can tell you that 99 uh, percent, because I, I actually kept a little tally there, 99 percent of the cases that I had involved um, heroin or some other t- heavy drug by being used being used by uh, one or or both of the parents, and that was what was causing our uh, involvement. So that's scary. Now, you know, they're a curse, of course, that's not every juvenile case, but um, the ones that I handled, that was the, the fact. 99%? Yeah, I mean, there was only one one that involved something else that, of course, I can't go into the specifics, but um, but everything else, uh, you had uh, parents who were either in rehab or trying to get into rehab uh, that had gotten hooked up with heroin and, and the pills. And, you know, Quite frankly, um, when you are uh, find yourself in the uh, uh, clutches of of drug addiction, like with heroin or the other opiates, you're not thinking about your children. You're not thinking about your your uh, family life. You're not thinking about putting food on the on the uh, the table. You know, you're thinking about how can I feed that habit, and uh, which is extremely unfortunate. Now, in that situation, uh, as opposed to, let's say, the sexual assault cases that we talked about earlier, in those cases, I believe that we can do something very proactive in making sure these people do get in treatment, but the treatment is one that is realistic. It's not just a place for uh, someone to say, okay, I'll spend the next 20 days clean up and then come right out and start shooting up again. Um, because we've seen a lot of that as well. So we have to be serious about the rehabilitation and the therapy that we're providing for folks uh, who find themselves in the, uh, in the clutches of, of, um, of addiction.
0: So how close do you think we are to a breaking point? Uh,
1: I think we are really close in the sense that I look to see the resources, the limited resources that are provided to not only the prosecutors but also the defense and the Defender General's office um in the courts the judiciary the judiciary right now is at a breaking point because uh, there's not enough money to support the number of judges we need and also um, you know the support personnel um, i worry uh, uh, every day about uh, people in social services our social serv- or social social workers um, i know one here personally that uh, i worked with uh, for the last two years and because of threats to her, um, she quit. And uh, it was it was terrible. She was one of the best uh, social workers I've you know come across. She's an extremely intelligent, uh, caring person. But she says, you know, I have two children at home, and I can't take this chance. Um, and uh, again, we already know that we can't uh, build ourselves out of this problem as far as prisons. Um, but there, there is you know we have to realize that that if somebody does commit a, 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 you know, a criminal offense, that we, there have to be consequences for that. Um, and but, if but
0: are we going to protect social workers by letting them get killed and then their consequences?
1: How, how do we no, protect that well, the social workers, I think it's a different story. I, mean, I, I, I feel that um, we have to take a, a serious hard look at um, what exactly they're expected to do when they go in the field. Um, uh, somebody one time had suggested, well, they should just be able to go and uh, up and take a kid out of the house if they feel that they're that the kid's in danger. Well, that's just not what a social worker should be doing for a number of reasons. But getting to the safety part, um, I can assure you that we've already had several people who have contact said, "You're not going to take my kid, and you'll take my kid over my dead body." That type of situation. Why would we put them, uh, a social worker, or a person who's not trained in in um, situations like that to uh, put them in a situation where they're, they, you can almost guarantee that they are going to face um, some type of um, uh, physical confrontation. So um, Mark, I I don't know, have the exact answer as to what individual things we can do for uh, the worker out there in the street now But I know that Senator Sears and the Judiciary Committee, um, that is one of their top priorities, is to find out how best can we protect the people who are uh, trying to protect our children.
0: Number one goal in this session for you is what?
1: Well, the first thing is is the budget. I I think that always has to be, uh, for someone in leadership, has to be our top consideration. Because everything that we're talking about now um, uh, involves the budget in one way or another. Uh, we are uh, facing a, uh, a shortfall. Um, it's not as bad as what um, some people had predicted. Uh, I think that um, Justin Johnson, uh, who's the, uh, the um, uh, chief of staff at—or um, secretary of administration, I'm sorry, uh, for Governor Shumlin, has done an incredible job with trying to uh, find ways to balance the budget without putting extra pressure uh, in areas which, um, such as social services or law enforcement, um, and uh, trying to find a way to do that with also without asking and looking for additional revenue.
0: This Medicaid situation seems to be chronic. Uh, and I, I talked talk to the speaker this morning, and he um, said that it's almost an inevitable consequence and that people shouldn't be surprised. And uh, it, it you know, he didn't say it wasn't a big deal, but as I said it should not be a surprise
1: no and and the Medicaid I mean that's when we talk about health care um, which we have been talking about for many years and we'll continue to talk about it uh, Medicaid is right there on the top of that whole that whole um, um, area uh, because of the fact that we would we want to be able to provide uh, health care to all of vermonters and uh, which I think is a laudable goal I think it's smart in the long run uh, because it will you know, spending money up front is going to save us in the end. However, um, there are uh, certain pressures on the Medicaid budget, uh, whether they're from federal or or state reasons, um, that we have to consciously or you know be aware of, and that there are times when we try to get waivers uh, on certain um, uh, in certain uh, situations. Uh, Steve Constantino, I think, is doing an incredible job. Uh, with weeding through uh, the problems uh, that we're facing uh, currently right now. Actually, we're, we're looking, uh, you know, being here in Windsor County, we have Dartmouth-Hitchcock right across the river, and they are currently filing suit against the state uh, for um, not uh, having proper reimbursement levels uh, in the, for their Medicaid. And they treat, you know, 40% of Vermonters so, I think we've got a problem uh, where we have to look at the cost of health care and how much we are paying out in Medicaid benefits. But we, and some people have suggested that we come in and just cut benefits or go look at eligibility and, and um, uh, cut certain people from the roles. And unfortunately, I, I understand what their concern and understand their. Um, feeling that 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 would be a solution, but I can tell you it's not a solution. Uh, first of all, we have a, a match, a 90-10 match, where the federal government uh, comes in and provides 90% of the funds that we pay out. If we went and took that away, we as a state, the some of the people who, uh, from the eligibility rolls, uh, not only would we be, I think, walking away from from what I consider to be an unspoken um uh, duty to provide health care to all of our Vermo- all Vermonters, I think that we would uh, be fiscally making a huge mistake uh, because those certain people would not uh, then be eligible or would not be getting the health care that they need and will end up uh, seeking um, their medical care through emergency rooms. And that, of course, is a driver as well. And because that's just, you know, goes towards the cost shift um I you know I, I think that we as a uh, as a population uh, in not just the state but in this country and, and around the world, I mean there are we have to understand that health care is not only should be it has to be one, a number one priority um, everywhere and we also have to understand that health care is not inexpensive um, but we, I, to me, I th- believe that there are areas that we have to look at to say how can we control it and how can we um, try to uh, find a way to provide um, uh, insurance at an affordable rate for uh, Vermonters. Um, and, um, you know, obviously the single payer, we were, it, it, that did not pan out because of the fact that if you look at it from a, um, a number standpoint, it would not have, it would have. Uh, cost us more money than we really could afford as a state. Uh, however, there are a couple of issues that are now being um, looked at for this year. Uh, Deb Richter is trying to, and her group is uh, looking toward um, expanding uh, the roles of primary care doctors. Um, then there's also, uh, has we've been presented with a um, uh, another idea as to Uh, Increasing the level of or the age uh, limit on folks who qualify for Doctor Dinosaur, bringing it up to 26.
0: You like that idea? I do
1: actually. At first, I I had my doubts. I I, until um, I saw some of the um, um, saw some of the numbers and what they were trying to do. And once you grasp how they're trying to save the money, Mm -hmm. um, I do believe that that will save um, people uh, you know, with obviously with children, um, uh, as far as with premiums and I think it's a, uh, a unique, um, a unique idea. And so what we're going to try to do is, uh, to, uh, put that into the studies that we currently have with Rand and, and, a, and another group to see if we can, uh, if the numbers would pan out. Um, so that, I mean, that's really the important thing.
0: Um... If we, uh, I'd like to uh, talk about Senator McAllister. Sure. Um, I spoke to the speaker this morning who used the word, I was just looking to say, I think he used it that he was appalled. Um, you know, he was very conscious that it's the house and, you know, you've got your own body and he wouldn't want you commenting on his problems. But he used that word, which I think is a word that a lot of people have been using and feel that it's just inappropriate for him to be there. Uh, tell me your thoughts and and as part of this, I mean is this a question that people can raise about your leadership
1: um well let 's go to the first part first, and I think that um, I share the speaker's um, uh, view as far as that he uh, uh norm mcAllister should not be sitting um, at in the Senate pending these these charges with these charges pending. And uh, there, there are two schools of thought. I mean, there are people who um, believe that uh, you know because it is a criminal action, he's he's innocent until proven guilty. Um, And then there's others that believe he should just be taken out of his chair now. And what I try to explain is that there's a um, the criminal procedure. The procedure is one side, one thing. We don't have anything to do with that. Uh, We do have uh, the potential for administrative actions. Unfortunately, it's not as clear as what we would like. Um, I think the easiest thing to do would be for us to go and to try to expel him immediately. Have um, <coughs> excuse me, a vote go um, towards uh, in the Senate uh, and to, to make a determination whether he should be expelled. However, with that comes this problem: is that if we are to expel him, uh, he is entitled uh, to a what's um, a due process. And that means he would be able to go ahead and confront witnesses, have witnesses brought before the Senate, because the Senate would hear this as a whole. Um, and the, um, I would insist that that procedure, that hearing, be open to the public. I do not believe that we should have anything behind closed doors when it comes down to voting one way or the other uh, regarding his, um, uh, his status. I think this is something that the public is entitled to be aware of, and I don't want anyone to think that you know we, as a Senate, would be protecting one of our own. I can tell you, um, so anyway, if we, if we go ahead and we do uh, move to expel him, again, under that procedure, the problem that arises is that we have a very, very good chance of jeopardizing the criminal trial uh, in that you would bring the witnesses, including the victims, um, to the Senate and ask them to testify where they would be subject to basically interrogation by 30 people if, if everybody, anybody decides from the Senate that they want to ask questions and try to press issues. Um, and what uh, trouble that brings is that um, oftentimes when we, actually in criminal cases, uh, victims of, of cases, especially sexual assault cases, um, are very... Um, Timid in a way, the fact that they they to expose this publicly, to even talk about it in a trial, is um, it it takes it's a terrible emotional toll on on these folks, and um, in speaking with the prosecutor, because I have talked to the prosecutor about this, and she Diane Wheeler believes that she had requested that you know if you're going to do something, please wait until we get our uh, our uh, criminal matter done first. Uh, because of the fact that if, if all of a sudden the victim or victims or witnesses say, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I am not going to... I, 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 I stood through that embarrassment of having to be in front of 30 people and telling them the most intricate, uh, intimate issues of what happened to me. Um, I just can't do it again. So I, as a leader, have to look and say, okay, what do we do here? Do we sit there? Do we, Do we potentially... Um, corrupt or interfere with the criminal case where that would be as if he was convicted that he would end up with a criminal conviction and also have to do, uh, be um, uh, subject to uh, incarceration and other penalties? Or do we just go ahead and, and just so we can say he's out of the Senate and um, we should be happy with that? And, and I think that the victims in this case deserve a lot more than just having him expelled from the, um, the Senate. I believe that, that they um, both he and the victims are entitled to their day in court. And I, for one, do not want uh, the Vermont State Senate to interfere with that process. And um, I know that there, there are gonna be people who are going to question that. There are going to be people who think I'm absolutely wrong. Um, but the if they want to get a pound of flesh, it's best, I believe, that you, it is done in the criminal courts where uh, there is the proper jurisdiction and not in the state senate where um, the the most we could do would be to expel him as a member. Um, we are now moving towards trying to seek a suspension, and there will be a challenge, I believe, to that. The problem we have is that our constitution does not call for um, a way to... Um, not just remove, but also to replace a senator, unless unless certain things happen, unless they die in office, or unless they're they're gone uh, for um, a significant point of, t- point of time. And this goes to the uh, uh, the legal issue of of representation. Um, so if someone from Franklin County says, you know what, you took my senator out of there, I don't have any representation. I lost a vote, and Personally, I believe that that's a uh, a miscon- it's misconstruing our constitution because I believe that uh, you know people have are definitely entitled to one vote or to their vote one person one vote their, their, their elected officials should be able to be um, uh, to serve if they voted but that the the um, uh, constitutional right is to be able to go to the polls and vote for that person. I don't believe personally that the Constitution says, well, if, um, if this guy goes and does something that is uh, counter uh, or cr- make, creates a criminal or, convicts, or commits a criminal act, that uh, he or she cannot be taken out. Yeah, I it mean, just doesn't make sense. I mean, what if somebody
0: murdered somebody?
1: Exactly, I brought that up in, in the uh, the hearing at um, um, when we had last week, or no, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, um, saying, hey, listen, if he had. Gone ahead and, and had a gun and shot uh, the senator sitting next to him. Do do you feel that we don't have a right to take him out of seat? I think that's kind of ridiculous. Um, but Mark, to be quite honest, my my biggest concern and my my biggest uh, my objective is to whatever do whatever it takes to preserve the um, uh, jurisdiction of the criminal courts of this matter. Um, I I just think that they they're the ones that could um, uh, could and should. Be able to evaluate the case and put it before a jury, and uh, I'm hoping that that Norm understands um, what he is facing and decides to not uh, show up. But um, I'm not sure like, if it yeah. if that's going to happen. Based so on can
0: he challenge the suspension, and you have the same problem as yeah, challenging the expulsion? Yeah, we, we so can you, Then why don't you just expel
1: him? Well, that's what we're going to find out. And and you know the problem is we're in such we're we're in a such a gray area because we don't have. It's not only in our Constitution. It's not in the Senate rules. Um, we had to go through Masons and then even extend it past there. And there's only been, um, even though you, you see politicians get in trouble all the time throughout the country, uh, most of them all resign uh, or, you know, or they're voted out of office. Whereas um, even the latest one with three senators out in California, um, they all resigned. And so um, we don't have that situation here. Everyone thought that that he would go ahead and resign, but he's not. He believes that—he does not believe that he did anything wrong, and that's something he's going to have to answer to. Um, but does he, does he answer to the Senate or does he answer to a court, a court of law that can uh, issue a punishment uh, for the um, crimes that he's charged with? And it's not just because of me being a prosecutor. It's just the fact that I have to think that— um, if I was a victim of a crime, and I deal with victims all the time, that they would, again, I'm, I know I'm repeating myself here, but the, you know, they would be, are more concerned with the criminal charges than they are whether he sits as a senator in, in the chamber. Um, and, and I have a feeling that uh, you're probably going to see a lot of folks that are not happy that are going to be there at the statehouse when he's there. And I've told him that personally, I said, do you understand you know, that what you are going to be faced with? Um, and um, what concerns me are two things. Number one, the disruption to the Senate, but also um, whether it's going to put him in a precarious position to where if he, you know, if you get, let's like paparazzi sometimes, like some people say, you know what, I've had it, I'm not going to take that anymore. And then you have a physical altercation or something else. Um, I, we, the, the public and the people who are there in the State House don't deserve that. You know, we should not have to, to look at that. And that's why I, I feel if, you know, it would, be, it would be best if he would just step down and realize that, hey, look, um, this is going on. I should concentrate on the criminal matter. Uh, there are people who don't feel I should be in that building. Okay, I'll respect that. And, and unfortunately, the really the bad part about this is, you know, nobody knew anything like this was going on. This was a huge shock to, um, to the Senate. And I can tell you personally, um, when I found out, I was like floored. Um, never expected it at all. And um, because of these charges, the, the Senate is being tainted as well. And um, quite frankly, I, I understand that because uh, if I was sitting back, I'd go. Throw the guy out right now. I mean, what, what are you guys waiting for? And again, some you know, I I can explain it um, like I explain it now to you, but uh, that is not always going to satisfy people. They're gonna, you know, believe what they want to. Let's uh, I know you gotta run. Let's yeah. talk about it. Let's or talk. Else you can come on over if you want and then Yeah, it, you know what? It's five minutes. You wanna can we we wanna run it this gonna take like five minutes. We'll we'll oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.